This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. This is the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. Good afternoon. It's Madam Adams, Cindy Adams from the New York Post, and you better read me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And if you do not... You can listen to me on WABC every Sunday, 1 to 2 p.m. Now, this is going to be my loving day, and I am going to be kindly. It is not just to my Yorkie dog that my veins overflow with gentility and love. Known is that I'm a kindly, warm-hearted person. My devotion almost overflows to elected officials Excluded, of course, is our White House dummy who'd blow a debate with the Statue of Liberty, or Palauzi's husband who needs to get crocked before driving home to her. But basically what I want to talk to today about is Eric Adams, who probably gets his inseam measured in City Hall because he accomplishes nothing else there. Our former police chiefs assessed him at zero. I have spoken to each one of them, and they have all assessed him at zero. He now does galas and clubs with VIPs who would never, ever, never invite him before. He wants to be president? Lots of luck. de Blasio who has a mathematics-enhanced wife, tried for president? No. He tried for governor? No. He tried for congressman? No. Next up, he'll go for alderman. And may Eric check out de Blasio's current dance card. It's not exactly full. Now, Adams cannot make deals. This man does not know how. He is a blabberer, a talker, a BSer, an accomplisher? No. New York City's got poverty, homelessness, crime, filth, garbage-laden streets. We've got mice, roaches, spiders, thieves. We have poverty, terrifying subways, crime in schools, race hate. We've got us inflation, noise, public safety, business economy, housing woes, high taxes, and this man is pirouetting at parties. The man can't even fix New York City's parking problem, although here's an idea. It's not mine. People came up with it. One nightmare is New York City's parking pandemic. We've got tickets and cops and toes and snowplows. We have street cleaners and garbage trucks and trash, subway killings, bicycles, buses, outdoor eateries, 
bums, double parking. We've got construction, trucks unloading, traffic congestion, congestion, and we also have alternate side of the street parking, plus black cars and taxis and curbside panhandlers. A company named Spacer came up with an idea and told it to me. Now, many Manhattan, Queens, Brooklyn, Bronx, and Jersey residents have unused parking spaces. They come with a condo, a rental, a co-op. But the owner, in this particular case, has no car. So a new app called Spacer has come up with the idea to connect residents who own an available spot with those needing a place to park. They can make a buck by allowing someone to park in their space. These vehicles then won't be ticketed, booted, towed, snowed in, or busted if they forget to move for alternate side of the street parking. So getting six parking tickets just last week, Sherry Shepard asked our pretend mayor to come on her talk show. No response. Long back, I'd asked repeatedly for an interview. Never happened. But give this BSer a TV camera, plus a chorus of mute faces behind him, and the no-can-do bobblehead will quack forever. Next time I want to talk to him, I'll put my request in a saloon shot glass. This man is just a talker, not an accomplisher, not a fixer, not a real official. He's not on anything. He's got no heavyweight connections. He is just a BSer, a talker. Check his coterie. Besides his brother who's on the payroll, check their new salaries and no accomplishments. We are the greatest country on earth, the planet's number one capital city. We got a dummy mayor and a mummy president with crummy financiers. We're not only tops in crime, but how about our city, mice and live-in insects, and our schooling issues? And what have we to fight it? A useless mayor whose lone ability is to zip up and chat to a camera. I had enough. I'm now going to a break. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A name you know who's in the know. It's the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. Andrew Cuomo. He has been New York governor since before Thomas Dewey. He's had his problems, but he is a survivor and he's a great talker. So I am now speaking to Governor Andrew Cuomo. And I would like to ask him, since every one of us has had problems, 
Did friends stand by you like the Biden, Pelosi, Obama, Schumer? What about political friends? Is there such a thing? Good to be with you, Cindy. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, Political friends is an oxymoron to me. (laughs) There are no friends in politics. They have that that expression uh, in Albany, which is... Uh, historically been treacherous for politics. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know, I know. If you want a friend, uh, get a dog, which I did, by the way. Yes. Uh, but no, there are, there are no political friends uh, because even friends, and I've worked with a lot of them uh, for, on, for a long time, and a lot of them were personal friends, but their politics comes first, you know, and you have now and extreme politics, both in the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, this cancel culture, uh, the woke movement, you know, and the Democratic Party, the mainstream Democrats, I think, fear the extreme. And when that extreme starts to tweet and they're on social media, uh, it's, you know, the politicians fall like dominoes. That's what they do. So, uh, yes, uh, I have friends. Uh, the political friends acted politically. Surprise, surprise. But like people that you've known forever, Biden, who's an idiot, Pelosi, Obama, Schumer, none of them came to the fore? Well, no, because those are politicians first. They are political first. And when you take an issue like the Me Too movement or some cancel culture movement. Uh, it's very hot among the far left uh, extremists. Yeah. And they get start tweeting and nobody, the politicians don't want to deal with that. You know, politicians, for the main part, they want to make people happy. They're not going to say, how many politicians do you know, Cindy, who are willing to stand up and and speak an inconvenient truth. You know, they're not around those types of people. Uh, they're afraid more than anything. They're fear-driven. I think on the Democratic side and the Republican side, they're afraid of their own party extremes. That's what's happening. It isn't just an inconvenient truth. It's an incomplete truth. They don't have any truth. But that's my, my concept. I don't want to put words in your mouth. I understand what you're saying. But did your personality do you in? Was that some of it because you're, you've always been tough for everything? You've fought for us all. Is that part of it? The part of it is uh, I was disruptive to the political class. You know, it's funny, Cindy, you remember my father. Yeah, of course uh, I do. I of course. Old Mario Cuomo. He used to say, I don't like politicians. And I used to say, but dad, you're a politician. Don't you ever call me a politician. <laughs> I would say, but you're in politics. I'm not a politician. Uh, and he wasn't a politician. The, uh, as governor, as an executive, I'm there to get a job done for you. That's how I see it. I represent you. And I'm there to get a job done. I'm there to get a budget passed. I'm there to get marriage equality passed. I'm there to keep people safe. And I 
did work very hard and pushed very hard to get it done. You know, otherwise that legislature uh, left to its own devices, uh, they won't take any tough votes. The old expression, the legislator who does nothing, does nothing wrong. When I got there, Cindy, they hadn't passed a budget on time in 20 years. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I got it done on time every year. So, yeah, I fought with them and I pushed them uh, and I made them do things that they didn't want to do because they offended their donors. Uh, And, you know, they all are into special donors and special interests. Uh, and I called them out on it when I saw it. Saw it. Uh, so, yeah, they found me disruptive to the political class. I was not one of the go-along, get-along guys. And I did not want to be. And that's why I got more done than any governor in modern history. Uh, you drive around New York City. You see a new LaGuardia Airport. How do you think that happened? New Second Avenue subway, new Moynihan train hall, uh, tunnels redone, bridges redone. Uh, that's by pushing to get delivery, push that bureaucracy to make them do something, push those legislators to actually vote. Uh, so, yeah, it's pushing the stone uphill all the time. So but can it be that – can it be – can it be that maybe you're just not warm and fuzzy? Is that what was needed and wasn't there? First of all, I'm not fuzzy. I don't want to be fuzzy. I don't even know what fuzzy means. I'm from New York. We don't have fuzzy in New York. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I have a cheap I, sweater. It has fuzzy. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, what go. is that yeah. fuzzy? I don't want to be fuzzy. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I am, you know, uh, I'm warm, I think. Uh, I have friends. Uh, That's all fine. But when I'm there to do a job, I am going to do the job. And in politics, it's very hard to get anything done. And that's why everybody's disgusted with government. Uh, You know, I, I passed by LaGuardia Airport recently. You know, we had that. LaGuardia Airport was a mess. It was an embarrassment. Yes, yes, yes. For decades. Uh, I said, let's get a, build a new airport. Oh, no, it's too hard. The community this, this one, this. You know, to get something like that done. Cindy, you have to push every day. Uh, and I did that for, you know, uh, almost 12 years. And, yeah, we got a lot of things done. But they found me uh, uh, difficult for them. Uh, And I didn't represent them. I didn't work for them. But I didn't work for the politicians. I worked for the people. I had pins made for everybody who worked with me. I work for the people. You know, it sounds simple, but it's everything. I don't work for the lobbyists. I don't work for the assemblymen. I don't work for the senators. I don't work for any of these people. I worked for the people of the state of New York to get things done, and I did. In in the old days, 
you worked for your father, the governor, in some way. You were his person. And how did it work with Mario? Because when we had difficulty in the New York Post, Rupert Murdoch called Mario every single day. And every single day, Mario called me. I didn't do the logistics. I did the per- the, the, the PI. I knew how to handle it. But that means he wasn't easy. He was not easy either. Did you learn from your father? You know, he wasn't easy. The situation you're talking about, which is telling about my father, New York Post was always miserable to my father. They've always been miserable to me. Let's be honest, right? It goes with the territory, yeah. Yeah. So uh, then they get into trouble financially, and they were going to close. Yes. And my father worked and put together a package to actually save the post. Yes. Now, it's similar because all the Democrats – I remember the Democratic Assemblymen, the Democratic Senators all went to my father and said, why are you saving the Post? It's a terrible newspaper to the Democrats. Let it close. And my father said, no, I'm not playing politics. These are jobs. There are hundreds of New Yorkers who work at the Post. And it doesn't matter that politically we don't like the Post. Uh, and politically, uh, we don't like their politics. I'm going to save the jobs. And he did. And by the way, the Democratic politicians, they were all mad at my father for saving the Post. <laughs> and, and by the way, the and Post then, never said thank you. <laughs> they're going to pee on you, too. I mean, that's what we do. We're, we're born to pee on people. That's our that's what we need to do. So uh, tell us now, I, we need to know what is happening with these 11 ladies and these so-called allegations. Nobody understands. Tell us about those. You know, from my point of view, I said from the beginning, uh, this is politics and it's overblown. Uh, the attorney general uh, did a report, put out the report. It was sent to district attorneys all across the state. Not a single case was brought. And then uh, the political uproar uh, caused me to resign. And then the attorney general turns around and runs for governor. Yeah, I know. That's true. Yes. yes, yeah. yes, yes And yes. I said, you know, look, I filed an ethics complaint against her because it was a pure conflict of interest. Uh, and uh, she had a political agenda, and I think she furthered her political agenda. It didn't work because it was, frankly, so obvious. She announced her governor and uh, went absolutely nowhere. Uh, but that's also... You know, it's the cancel culture of the time. You make an accusation against someone. Well, <clears throat> I feel this. I think this. Oh, well, then, uh, you know, the cancel culture kicks in uh, and the immediate condemnation kicks in. 
that's more on the Democratic side to cancel culture. But you put that together with uh, people's own personal agenda. Uh, and it wasn't just, you know, one office. If the attorney general runs for governor, then somebody can run for attorney general. And then somebody else can run for this, you know. So Okay, but the 11 cases, where are they now? And what will what is the ongoing situation here? Yeah, first of all, there were never 11 cases. I know that's what was said. There were never 11 cases. You have women in the so-called 11 who said they didn't consider it sexual harassment, but they had their own opinion on behavior. Uh, And yes, uh, my style all my life, uh, I'm a New Yorker. Uh, You asked me before, I'm a warm person. Uh, would I hug hello? Yeah, I know uh, you do that. I know you do that. Yeah. Yes, but, you know, I've always done that, you know, and New Yorkers do that. Well, uh, I is, and there is a new sensitivity for some, by the way. And uh, I said, I don't think I was uh, appreciated enough, the new sensitivity. Um, but so... That's it. Politics is ugly and politics is mean. But I feel good at the end of the day, Cindy, because I walk down the street and you know what I hear from New Yorkers? I hear, thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for what you did during COVID. Uh, Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for keeping us safe. So are you going to make another shot at it someday? Who knows? We take one day at a time, you know. And take, take the next day. What about the next day? Will someday you take another shot at it? I don't know. Uh, I'm open to all options. This week, I have something exciting. I'm starting a podcast this week, which I've been working on for a few weeks. And I'm very excited about that. And I'm going to uh, announce it this coming week and start it this coming week. Because it's just an opportunity, Cindy, to speak to the issues of the day, uh, 100% frank and candid. You know, in some ways, I'm liberated now uh, because all uh, I just have to speak the truth. I always spoke the truth, but, you know, you can't go around offending everyone if you want to get laws passed, etc. But now I just can tell the truth. And we have a mess on our hands politically. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. On almost every level. And we're going backwards, Cindy, backwards. And I'm worried. I'm worried for the city. I'm worried for the state. I'm worried for the country. Uh, And I'm looking forward to the opportunity to speak about it and speak about it with people. And that's what I'm going to do on the podcast. Okay. As we go along at the moment, what did you, would you think for Hochul? Would you think for Zeldin? I know you're not going to answer me decently. Say something. I don't care what. <laughs> Does it have to be decent? No, it doesn't have to be decent because I'm your friend. But say something about Hokel or Zeldin that will okay. go on the air. This is what I'll say. Yeah. The, uh, the Republican Party has been taken over by the far right of the Republican Party. 
The Republican Party for a long time courted the evangelicals and the Christian right and the pro-life movement. And the Republicans have wound up in a position, Cindy, where they are out of step with the majority of people in this country. They're out of step with the majority of Republicans. They overturn Roe v. Wade, take away a woman's right to choose. Yeah, awful, 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 awful. They're now talking about uh, uh, ending marriage equality, which allows members of the LGBTQ community to marry. We were the first big state to pass marriage equality. Uh, And it then went all across the country. That was 10 years ago we passed it. They're talking about undoing that. Marriage equality said to the LGBTQ community, it wasn't really about marriage. It was about equality. And it, it acknowledged them and showed them respect. And society said, we value you and we respect you and you're equal to us in every way. Your love is equal to our love. Your relationship is equal to our relationship. You're going to go backwards on that? Governor, I didn't hear you answer my question, which was Hochul Zeldin, unless I'm asleep here. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's a long answer. (laughs) Well, give me a shorter answer on Hochul or Zeldin. What? Zeldin is... His views are opposite the overwhelming majority of New Yorkers and Americans. He is against a woman's right to choose. He is against marriage equality. He says he would vote against the gun bill that I passed, which banned assault weapons. Uh, So he is ultra conservative. And on the issues that New Yorkers care about, he is wrong. He is just wrong. This is you're not going to get elected and you shouldn't get elected being against a woman's right to choose, being against marriage equality, being against gun safety after all the mass shootings we've had. Uh, he, He does not represent New Yorkers. And I don't believe uh, he's going to win. I don't believe he should win. Well, at least I got an answer. That's not bad. Can you tell me now also, what should we do with Biden? I mean, what can we do with Biden? How do we survive this dreadful creature? Joe Biden. Yes. I know for a long time. So what? He's a pig. He's awful. No, he is a decent man. Cindy, he is a decent man. You can say you disagree with his policy. First of all, you have to say something decent. (laughs) You can disagree with his politics, but he is a decent man. And uh, I believe the Democrats are going to do very well in the midterm for the same reasons Elvin is going to lose. They are hyper conservative. They put in this Supreme Court which is frightening people. They're threatening women's rights. They're threatening LGBTQ rights. Uh, On the issue of guns, which, you know, I've I've worked on uh, for 20 years, we passed the best gun law in the United States in this state. The Supreme Court just uh, decided that the concealed carry permit 
if you want to conce- carry a concealed handgun, you need a permit in New York City. Uh, they said that was unconstitutional. Governor, I don't remember that this has to do with what do we do with Biden. Biden is is what? Uh, is defending the rights of people in this nation that are under attack by the Republican Party, which is taken over by ultra conservatives. This is not the Rockefeller Republican Party. This is not the Republican Party you remember from New York or I remember from New York. There's no moderate Republican here. These are ultra-conservative Republicans. I'm not sure I understand I get answers to my questions. I'm not sure I care. I'm just glad to speak to you. But I don't think I got any answers somewhere. Can you tell me? Just a second. Just what? How about another new woman in your life? Is it possible? Is it possible? Why? Do you have any recommendation? No, but listen, I know people. I mean, I'm, oh, well, I'm interested no. in helping my friend. Yeah, well, if you know someone, keep me in mind. <laughs> How are you making a living, meanwhile? <laughs> I'm a lawyer. I'm representing uh, people in a variety of matters, and I'm having some fun with it. Different industries. Uh, so I'm enjoying that. Uh, I've also had a little opportunity to do something called, uh, live my life. You know, I worked obsessively, uh, governor, attorney general, I was attorney general before governor uh, right there. That's about 15 years. I worked seven days a week for 15 years. I never left the state because I believed it was my obligation to be here. God forbid something should happen. Uh, So uh, after that span of 15 years, I actually now get to enjoy my family and enjoy my daughters and spend time with friends and have a meal without looking at my phone 15 times and and worried that there's going to be some uh, flood or hurricane or shooting, God forbid. So uh, I have had little time to enjoy life, uh, and I'm liking it. Okay. I tell you the truth, Governor. You weren't boring to talk to. That's the truth. So (laughs) I look forward to seeing you one day soon. Okay? Is that the nicest thing you can come up with? I wasn't boring. (laughs) No, I could say a lot of nice things about you. You have been my friend a thousand years. And when the last time I saw you, I remember you came over and you kissed me on the cheek. Just like all guys, I always knew. I knew that part of that was sexual harassment. I understood that. That's what we grew up with. That's a lot of the friendship that I understood. And that's why I've always been in your corner, honey. I really have. Thank you. Thank you, Fairland. Look, uh, yes, I, I'm sure I did kiss you on the cheek. And that is, that is the culture that I'm accustomed to, that you're accustomed to. People want to change or people think, you know, they have a new culture and what's appropriate. They're entitled to their point of view, uh, but it doesn't mean it's illegal, you know. Anyway, thank you for having me, Cindy. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, sweetie. And now that you're doing well as an attorney, you can buy dinner, okay? Okay. Will do. Will do. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. All the dish that's fit to air. Cindy Adams is on 77 WABC. I am now talking to Frank Luntz who is 
called by Time magazine the most influential person in the whole world when it comes to interviews about politics. So I, there's so many things I want to ask you. First, let's start in case there's somebody who never heard of you. How do you start? How did you start in this business of being a pollster, a pundit? Well, I was, ve- I was very nervous as a kid. It was very difficult for me to go up to people and engage them, particularly in social settings. And I found that by asking questions of important people, it would calm me down. And I realized that their answers were fascinating. And in fact, I've been doing this now for decades, and I consider myself very lucky that I became a pollster because there's so much that interests me that I'm fascinated with. And just as an auto mechanic gets to get under the hood of the, of the car and the computer technician gets to look underneath the device, yeah. I get to look behind the opinions of, of real people and understand what makes them tick. So you see us without makeup. Is that it, honey? Uh, well, I, I don't want to put that thought into anyone's <laughs> mind, but holy cow, that is a great. Can I ask you? Can I? I'm going to ask you a favor. What? Can I take that line and use that in the future? Because that's really good. Yeah, of course you can. You can take anything from me because I think you're terrific and I love you. And what I want to know is how did guys like Washington, Jefferson, Madison, they didn't have focus groups. How did they make it? Well, they, uh, they're smart enough that they didn't really need people like me. And the truth is, all that we do is that we provide individuals like them, individuals like you, with a perspective that you often don't hear. Thomas Jefferson did not need to know what the average farmer felt because he was creating something brand new from scratch. This is how America was founded. And it was as negative back then as it is now. They didn't need some political operative to tell them how to really attack each other with the venom that would even make people today blush. That said, they had a commitment to their country and a commitment to the next generation that was so remarkable that thank God they did what they did before pollsters. Thank God they did what they did before political ads because America may never have been created in this environment that we live in today. Before we get to peeing on this environment, which I can't wait to get to, how do you make a focus group? We have about one million people on computer, and that of every shape and size and perspective from every corner of the country, everyone from the from as young as sixteen years old to as old as I think I've got ninety six, ninety seven year old participants in the in our hard drive. And we reach out to them. And we ensure that every focus group is properly represented by age, income, education, geography, ideology, racial, ethnic. And then we collect maybe we'll offer it to maybe 200 people, of which 50 will decide to participate. And then I just make sure that my group is representative. And the key in all of this is that they have to be willing to speak up. If you interview someone and they're silent, a bad interview, no matter how good your questions are. I have to ensure that the people who participate, I urge them to go to my website, sign up for these focus groups, because you can get your opinions heard nationwide. And it's a wonderful process to to learn whether or not your opinions are mainstream. Do they get anything for this? 
Uh, I don't want to do this on the radio, but uh, yes, they do. We do pay them for their time. Okay. Do not do this. I, I say this overtly. Do okay. not do this because you want to make money. Yeah. Do this because you want your opinions to be heard, and we will probably compensate you for it. Okay, okay. Now that I would heard, oh, now that I've heard this, I'd like to go and ask you, how is our country going? Would you please tell me? It's really bad, oh. and it's getting worse. And I'm afraid Election Day, I know this will air in a couple of days, but Election Day is about three weeks away, regardless of when this finally gets on the air when you're hearing me. And in those last three weeks, I want everyone to know, I want everyone to say that they will respect the election outcome. Because if you don't, if we go through another two years of election denial, our democracy may not be able to withstand it. That right now there are tens of millions of people who think the system is broken and have lost faith in democracy. I, and, and, and for those who say that there's voter suppression, that's BS. And I'm cleaning up my language. If you can vote on October 17th and 19th and the 21st and November 1st, almost every day as state has early voting, there's no suppression. Almost every state allows absentee voting, allows uh, uh, early voting, allows uh, you to vote in person, and some of them you just mail it in. That yeah. is – everyone can participate. There's no voter suppression. And on the other side, for the – for the Republicans, you know what? Every time they look at voter corruption, they find 10 votes, 15, 20 votes out of millions and millions that are cast, that there are 20 votes, 30 votes that are suspect. Our elections are the safest and most secure and most accurate of any across the globe. The system works. The problem is the candidates who are running can't take the fact that they're rejected by the public, that this is a very public process, and they don't like to admit that they lost. And, Cindy, if they don't accept it, and we continue to tell people that our system doesn't work, the consequences of that in the breakdown of society and civility and decency and respect, then the consequences will be horrific, not just for us but for the generations to come. I know that. I also know that. I understand that our country is going badly. I understand that. That's the country. Tell me about my state. Do you have any knowledge of what's happening with our government, our governors? What's happening there? Yes, and I know that this is a tri-state area because I grew up in Connecticut. So in all three states, Connecticut, New Jersey, and New York, they're all left-of-center states overall. Yeah. And even though your listenership may be slightly right-of-center, it is likely that New Jersey, Connecticut, and New York end up voting for mostly incumbents and mostly Democrats. Now, there is a seat in Connecticut that could switch because there's a lot of voters in Connecticut – uh, uh, Maine, Massachusetts, in New England, who are reconsidering their Democratic affiliation. And there are a couple of seats in the uh, exurbs of New York City that had been trending Democrats that could vote Republican. But overall, I think it's going to be – it's still possible. But I think that uh, you're going to see most of the Democrats reelected with 
some Republican inroads, and I'll give you the two reasons why. Number one is that Republicans are actually more motivated to vote than Democrats. Yeah, okay. Number two is the Hispanic and Latino vote is shifting towards the Republicans, and they could get the highest percentage for their candidates than at any time since 1984. It is significant, and it's happening in your region country. Listen, I just came from those states. I was just in Maine. They still don't know that they're out of the 18th century. Everybody there, none of them have teeth. They don't have dentists. They're all 500 pounds. And to them, L.L. Bean is black tie. So what the hell do they know? Uh, Wow, you're feisty. (laughs) Well, I'm talking to you. I guess... You, it, and, and listeners should know that every time you and I talk, there's always one or two occasions when I have to push the mute button because you say things that I may think, but my parents told me never express. No, no, you're a good boy. You're a good boy. Okay, so pee on me nicely. Go ahead. Go. Uh, I What's happening across the country is a feeling that Washington is broken, our political system does not work, and they are desperate to get things done. They want these high prices addressed. They want to make sure that they've got access to electricity and gas during the winter months that are coming. They're frustrated with health care that they were promised was going to be affordable and and, uh, reasonable, and they don't see it. They were promised an awful lot by this administration over the last year and a half, and they don't see any of it. And they're frustrated and they're angry. They're not convinced about the Republicans, but they know the Democrats have failed them. And that's why these last three weeks are so important. But, Cindy, in the end, something's more important than an election. And I'm afraid we're going to lose a generation, and I'm afraid that we're losing the faith and trust in our country that we once had when you and I were younger. And that, to me, is an even higher priority than who wins in November. I understand that. I understand that that also speaks to my city. My city is going that way. My city is going down. What do you have a thought about New York City, which is actually the capital of the world? Yes, I do. And it is the capital of the world. And you should be concerned. For 20 years, the combination of Rudy Giuliani and Mike Bloomberg made New York the most awesome place. It was so clean, you could eat off the sidewalk. It was so safe that you could go into Times Square or anywhere at 2 a.m. and not look behind you. It was so much better that you could ride the subway at any point and and not be afraid. Yeah. And in eight years with your previous mayor, he destroyed all of that. He claimed that he wanted to help the outer boroughs. Well, what he did was destroy Manhattan and do nothing for anybody else. That is a it's almost a crime against the residents. And I was hoping that Eric Adams would repair the damage. He's an idiot. Eric Adams is a card-carrying idiot. All he, all he does is come to City Hall and get his inseam measured because he's not doing anything but trying on suits. He can do zero. So feel free to say anything you want to say about Eric Adams. It's okay with me. Clearly, it's okay with you, and clearly, you don't mind being audited by the city. So, no, I hope what do I care? What do I care? My taxes are very high. I'm going to live in New York the rest of my life. I will pee on this mayor, but feel free to say anything you want to say, Frank. You're brilliant. 
I appreciate that, and I'm going to give him for a while the benefit of the doubt. I had a chance to moderate a panel at the Milken Conference in in New York uh, a couple months ago, and Eric Adams was a panelist. I was so impressed with what he had to say. Impressed? Was, impressed? Hold on. Hold, hold on. I'm, I'm going to try to keep myself quiet. Go ahead. Please do, because I want I, because this is this is who I am today. Ten years ago, you and I would have had a great brawl on the radio. No one would have been able to hear either of us. <laughs> now I am much more respectful. As I get older, as I yeah. get through some health issues, I take what I say more seriously. Okay. He deserves the benefit of the doubt. Let's judge him after the year is out. He still has not gone even 12 months. Let's see what he's done then. I will say that what de Blasio did for eight years is criminal, and he should be held accountable in no measurement whatsoever did the city improve. And in fact, in just about every measurement, crime, well-being, economics, education, uh, health, in every measurement De Blasio brought the city to its knees. Eric Adams is going to need a little time to bring it back to its feet. That's all I'd say. I may never speak to you again, Frank, but in the meantime, (laughs) in the meantime, you're absolutely right about de Blasio, whose wife was mathematically enhanced and who also had been behind Eric Adams to be mayor so that she, in turn, can become Brooklyn borough president. We sort of know that. And if you are going to say I should give him a chance, okay, I will. I'm going to now give him a chance until Tuesday. Now, can I ask you, have you ever bet on anything like cards or horses or races or anything? I used to bet on high lie when I was in high school. I was too young to actually do it. But I would sneak into the into the facility in Hartford, and I used to love it. I'd lose 10, 20, 30 bucks in a time. Yeah. I have bet on sports with friends. Uh, when I was a kid, we invented, actually, my friends invented the current system of betting. When I was about 15 years old, when we bet on home runs and singles and strikeouts and errors and all that stuff. And now it's commonplace. And this is now... Almost 50 years ago, we were doing it with friends, but um, I know that I know the odds, and I know that in the end, the only people who actually win is the house. But yeah, yeah, I've been on stuff in the past. I know you have an appointment, and you have to speak to someone in a very few minutes. So I will bring this to a close. Although I'd like to talk to you for the next week and a half, will you speak yeah. to me again <laughs> in the future? <laughs> well, let's let's make a deal. Let's actually talk. Uh, right after the election. We can either do one just before the election or yes, please. right after. Yes, please. Let's and, do it before the election. Okay, Frank? Yeah, and we'll do an, an update and tell people what to watch out for. In fact, Cindy, because yes. it's you, yes. I'll even bring with me an election guide that I'll describe over the radio. People can bring their pens or write it on their phones, and I'll tell them the five key races to watch so they will know what's going to happen before anybody else does. Oh, thank you, sweetheart. I will be talking to you right after this program and we'll make a date. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, honey. Thank you. Very good. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye, sweetie. 
It's the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. We're out of time for the show, or at least they're throwing me off. So I shall see you again next time, same place, same station. Please tune me in. I'll be nicer then. Bye.